Hey, hey, this is Devin, and you're listening to My Vagina Hearts, a podcast where we decided to take our raw, revealing, and sometimes outrageously spicy dinner chats, put mics in front of our faces, and hit record. Friend, boss, business owner, partner, and mom are just some of the roles we juggle. But in reality, we're just some stressed and sexy women here to give you an unfiltered perspective on the not-so-glamorous, sometimes fabulous, and downright exhausting things we go through in today's world. Get ready to laugh, gasp, and maybe even shed a tear as we release a new episode each and every week. No BS, no pretending, just pure, unapologetic realness from us to you. All right. Hi, and welcome back to My Vagina Hurts. I'm Devin. And I'm Kelly. I'm Courtney. And today we're talking about moms, but not in the way that we usually do it. We're talking about shows, TV shows that include moms, storylines around motherhood. And none of that's necessarily new. There's always been moms around, but to be honest, most are an episode at best where it centers around the mom. And I'll say when it's more than an episode, it's pretty far-fetched when you think about shows built around being a mom or motherhood in and of itself. And TV back in our formative years, so pre-streaming apps, it was really centered around families, like families as a unit, which included a combination of, you know, moms or one mom, things like that. And it was more about the family dynamics. Maybe there was a twist here and there about the mom. And it was, they all look the same, in my opinion, white, upper middle class. And it was in suburbia in most cases. Um, Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. yeah, for sure. There's a few exceptions, for sure. But, but they was the all decade, the same type of family. Even if you yes. changed, like, the race, yes. it was all that, yes. like, middle America, traditional family unit, mom, dad, few kids. Yeah, I'm thinking of, like, yeah. Family Matters was <laughs> right. a great or show. Like, yes. Step family. by step, mm-hmm. like, all those. Yes. But, yeah, very quintessential yes. middle America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But in the last decade or so, more shows have started popping up that actually started showing women with more dimension. So it was less about, you know, them as a wife, them as a mom, but it was women in all facets and they were in different ways. And the ones that had family or motherhood as an underlying tone, you know, to me gave a little bit more of an accurate depiction of what it could be shows like parenthood american housewife one of my favorites girlfriend's guide to divorce um one day at a time blackish and big little lies come to mind those were all shows that i have seen have you guys seen any of those yes i've specifically seen girlfriend's guide to divorce i think i binge watched that on a solo trip that was such a great great (laughs) was did that come on e I can't remember. What did that come on? It okay. must have been on. Well, I streamed so, it. So whatever it was streaming okay. on Netflix. It was something probably. available on streaming. Okay. Yeah, it's on Netflix now, I think. So I probably watched the first two episodes of Parenthood because I was really interested in the premise. Um, but then it lost me. Um, the only show on here that I have seen more than a handful of episodes is Blackish. And I don't watch that religiously either. It's just one of those shows where like it would be on and I would watch it. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, because (laughs) it's going to go into my next question. None of these shows centered around women and their careers at all. And it definitely didn't center around women, their careers who happen to have a kid. And that's sort of where we are today and why today we're going to talk about the show Working Moms on Netflix. So my follow-up question to you, Courtney, is did you ever seek out these types of shows? Was that a show you wanted to watch or did you ever notice like, hey, I don't see this show and I would like to see it or did you not even think about it? So I am, I'm trying to look up when Working Moms premiered. Because 2017, so it wouldn't have been Mm -hmm. then. So I discovered that show. I had to have been um, postpartum with 
Harper. So it was during the pandemic, 2020. Everybody was basically looking for everything that was available on Netflix. And I stumbled across this show. And the timing was perfect because it was the pandemic. And I had just had my second child. So I was just specifically in a crazy place with like my life and work and and what was happening next and the show just spoke to me so much with where I was um I will say that after I was out of my like postpartum depression fog I like didn't like the show and that was probably those first few seasons because they were to me, more focused on the motherhood aspect of things than the career aspect of things. So once I started feeling better emotionally, it was like, oh, I don't want to see people having like issues with breastfeeding. Like, I don't care. Um, But then obviously the show leaned much more heavily into either older kid issues or work issues that I felt like it was a little more interesting again. Did before you had kids, did you watch these types of shows like shows centered around like the female story plotline like the female working wife mother plotline I'm trying to think what shows would have even been out before because Trip was born in January of 2018 so I'm trying to think about what type of mother focused shows were even out before then and I can't even think of any I'm sure some of the shows that you listed were I'm pretty sure Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce was out before then. Here's the thing. I got married and became a mother almost instantaneously. So my whole life and perspective before that was like single career girl about town. So it was such a different like I was like, no, no, not at all. I was I was like. Yeah. Emily in Paris type like <laughs> vibes. That's what I would have been watching. <laughs> Kelly, what about you? Did you ever watch shows like this, Future State? So like not when you were in the thick of it, but no, I, no, like, I don't remember. Like Courtney said, I don't remember any show even having that working parent, working mom focus. Um, I think it may have been part of a show, but I just didn't. I didn't think about it that way. Um, think about it as something like I want to search out a show that represents yeah. me in any way. Um, so yeah, it wasn't until I saw the the title pop up on Netflix where I was like, this is going to be a good one. And so I watched the first episode and was like, oh yeah, this is, oh, this is a great show. Yeah. I know that sitcoms can be, or like, I don't know if you call this a sitcom, but like this type of show, I feel like um, could I think they call them right dramedies the now. Oh, dramedies. <laughs> um, could put people off right out the gate because of the title, right? It filters some folks right away. So before we give our hot takes on some of the top episodes in in this series and we talk about it a little bit deeper, I wanted to provide some background and context for those that have never seen the show. I will say you do not have to be a working mother to watch the show and enjoy it. It just is a little bit more relatable if you are. Working Moms is a dark comedy, and it tells the truth about women who want to raise kids as much as they want to find professional success, or sometimes uh, more on the professional side. And this show is made up of seven seasons. It's officially done. There's not going to be a season eight. It stars Katherine Reitman, who plays Kate, Danny Kind, who plays Anne, Judo Rinaldi, who plays Frankie, and Jessalyn Wanlim, who plays Jenny. And the storylines these women tackle range from things like marriage ruts, the male birth control pill, complexities of female friendships, your child having sex for the first time, the aftermath of infidelity in a marriage, career sacrifices, anger, anger management, vasectomies, the list really does go on. And it stars was written and produced by Katherine Reitman. So she's really close to this entire show. It was originally made in Canada. And at the start of production for season one, her first kid was three months old. So in some of the interviews that she has back in that, she talks about like how she realized after season one, she was 
like white knuckling it through production. Like she was barely making it and she didn't even know that was happening. Isn't it strange though, that she could write and sell a concept for a show and not actually be a mother. Cause obviously like if her kid is three months old, it means this like when production started, the show had to have been greenlit by her pregnant at best. Yes, so I will say the reason I asked you guys if you sought shows out like this prior to being in the thick of it is because, like me, I always was thinking farther ahead. So I was always looking or watching shows about, like when I was in middle school, watching shows about, you know, women getting really cool jobs in the city as like my future state, right? It's not unheard of to want to know about women's life as a working mom. I'm sure she was surrounded by some of that. But it, and keep in mind, a pilot episode is one episode. So not a whole seven series that did she need any of that. I think that's why we got some of the storylines in the later seasons, um, you know, throughout it. I will say she was speaking to Desi Lytic, uh, the correspondent on The Daily Show, and you know, Catherine said finding a show where the main plot line was about a woman who also has a kid just didn't exist. Like the storyline was made for just women who work, who just happen to have a kid. And on Working Moms, the actual amount of time where you see the female characters with their kids is around 5%. So, And I literally love that about the show mm-hmm. so much. I yes. think about it actively as I watch this show. Like when a kid appears, I'm like, oh, it's been so nice not having to see a child. <laughs> yes. Yes. She said the show is about women being something outside of the nursery. So potentially when she was selling the show, either she was trying to get pregnant, but didn't want that to be the crux, right? Like that to be the holdup of things. And that's relatable. And if she's writing that of like, I don't want to have everything be about me being pregnant, me having a kid, you know, that this is my job. This is my work. That could probably have powered some of that through. But I, I don't know. I just feel like it's strange. It's like um, it's like not the feeling of not wanting a pediatrician who doesn't have children. I'm just I don't know why I'm getting so hung up on this. But I'm like, who are these well, executives? The That's what writer. I was gonna say. She oh, didn't write okay. this solo. There has to be support. right. But like yeah, she was still. I guess she still pitched it. So I'm like, who greenlit this? Like this woman who has no kids. Like sure, go ahead, well, write a show about. about- well, First of all, all executives at um, production houses are men. So Right, so they don't know. They're like, they sure, know. she knows about kids. <laughs> She's yeah, a woman. So like, yeah, the, the people that greenlit all this were men, thinking like, oh, yeah, let's give this woman a shot. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure, she knows about ch- child rearing. Yeah. yeah. So for those listening, we're not going to be doing like an episode by episode review. Um, We originally were going to do a whole series review. We thought that'd be too overwhelming. So we're going to try and focus on, you know, some of the big themes that come out later in the series. But I do encourage you guys to go and watch the show, um, especially if you want to know more of the details about what we get into today. But I'm going to sort of keep it, you know, opinion based. I really want to understand how you guys feel about watching the show while you're watching the show and some of the themes that come out. Season six tends to be, you know, a, a peak season where a lot of storylines come all the way up to the top. So that's sort of where we're going to focus, but we can provide some context around it if we feel like some of those things need to be covered. The overall themes covered in in and around season six are things like um, your spouse not being happy for a promotion, like a big promotion that you're getting, um, stepchildren or sharing a bed with a kid and what that does to a dynamic, um, horniness during pregnancy and how that feels, anger management and like mom rage, female on female crime at work, like big, big storyline in season six. Finding something suspicious at home, like a phone number in your husband's pocket. And, you know, the the crux of season six being the balance, quote unquote, balance and who chooses to step back 
who makes that choice and what pushes you to make that choice. Um, so right out the gate, you know, do you think the show's accurate in, in given some leeway for creative freedom, right? We know shows have some of that, but when you guys watched it, do you think it actually depicts working motherhood accurately? Um, yes. And like in the extreme sense. Yes. I mean, it's, it's a comedy after all. So it's going to have like the over the top, um, situational humor that is fun, but we can all relate to moments of that. Um, I think that even though there's four, maybe even more as you go on, four main characters um, and their Mm -hmm. storylines, the show, like they're, they, the show goes from one to the next to the next so quickly that you think like, oh my God, there's no way that one person could have all these different things happening. So um, there's a lot of action going on, but like, I don't think my day-to-day life as a working mom is that exciting. (laughs) Let's put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, no, I will agree that it's like the, um, it's, it's like the blown up version of taking scenarios and really kind of, yeah drawing them out and the things the kind of the antics that ensue because of the type of show that it is but i agree with kelly that when you take the instances and maybe specific scenes as individual it's like yes those things happen these things have happened and that i feel is really nice and relatable because it does make you feel seen in a certain way I think where I struggle with the series is that it is meant to be more realistic than a lot of other high gloss shows that we watch, maybe on like a HBO Max or whatever. But at the same time, even though it's trying to be so realistic, it still has an air of, like Kelly said, like, my life is not actually this exciting. <laughs> like all these, all these many things don't actually happen to me in a 30 minute segment of, you know, my day or week. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Well, yes. right. Overwhelming. I can't even imagine. Is there a character um, that you guys think you relate to more than another? Or is it that ultimate sex in the city question of like, you know, everyone's a mix of a few. Yeah, I feel like it's a mix. I didn't really see myself in any one character. Um, there was situations that each one of them went through that I could relate to in different ways. But yeah, not the Sex in the City correlation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it. I think because I don't know. It's like maybe because the the episodes are only thirty minutes and they are kind of storyline related. It's so different from like, for instance, a Sex and the City where you are getting to see like the way Sex and the City is created is you almost get to see each different personality type's response to the same situation. As we're in this show, they all are Mm -hmm. leading their own very separate lives and dealing with their own separate situations. So I think that's probably why it's harder to put yourself in and say like, I'm a whomever because they're not going through identical situations. Yeah. When I started the series, like on episode one, I think I was on mat leave is probably when I started to watch it. Um, And I immediately related to Kate in that she was sort of a workaholic in that like high end agency environment. She's a publisher for those that haven't seen it. But it, it seems very male-dominated. She's, you know, trying to lead a bunch of things. She's fighting sort of this uphill battle. And then she's, you know, having this kid, right? So um, I was like, oh, I, I relate to that. There are some things, obviously, that don't make sense for me. But there were a lot of overlaps from the working side of that that made sense. Overall, was do you guys feel a certain type of way about any of the characters? And I asked that because I've been told by a few folks, like, I hate that character. Like I don't like watching her and Anne is, you know, one of the main characters and, and is a uh, psychologist, a licensed psychologist, psychologist, I think. Um, And she's by far the most like contentious character on the internet and with a lot of folks. But I was wondering if you guys had any like immediate reactions. I think that's so funny because of course she's the one who I'm like, Oh, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's usually me. I'm usually the one who's like someone who everyone's can't stand. I'm like, no, I get where she's coming from. 
I actually don't really like any of the characters, which is weird because I do enjoy watching the show. I feel like they are the the scenarios that they go through. I think maybe because the scenarios that each of them go through are all so insular and personal focused. I'm kind of like you almost feel like an outsider. Like you don't necessarily feel like like Kelly said, like you don't feel like, oh, this could be me or this could happen to me. You kind of feel like you are a voyeur, which is still fun to watch, but it's looking into their lives and more watching what it is that they're going through and how they're handling it instead of necessarily... Because it hasn't happened for you or because you won't let yourself empathize even though it has happened for you? So I think, you know, a lot of the stuff with obviously the moms who have the older kids hasn't happened to me, but I think that for me, I so much thrive in the world of escapism that it's like, it doesn't serve me to watch a show that is so hyper-realistic and go out of my way to put myself in those shoes or say, oh my gosh, yes. And so I didn't necessarily, and maybe it's because my entrepreneurship journey has been different. I don't know. But I didn't necessarily feel the way that all the women on the show portrayed that they felt. That's super interesting. Kelly, what, are you, what about you? I didn't like Jenny. I thought Jenny was yeah. obnoxious as hell. Yeah, I didn't like her I either. I think she was a whiny bitch. <laughs> I still don't <laughs> And maybe like her. that's the whole point like her. of her yeah, character is to be that like childish, whiny inside. Yes, the, of, the girl inside yeah. of us who's just like trying to please her mom and – like that, I think, lives inside of all of us in some way or another. But I didn't like how she fit into the storyline um, with the rest of the women. I think she was always like an outsider as far as like the dynamic between the rest of the women were. Well, and I do feel like it was strange because it was like there are a lot of side characters. And it was kind of confusing to me why Jenny had her own kind of storyline even though she technically felt like a side character because she wasn't necessarily part of their core friend group. Well it's because the connecting yes, thing was the, that all... the mom's group that they all started with because yes. they all had kids the same Right but, yes. but then like why wasn't you know like there's there were other people in that group so why was just one other woman do you guys know what I mean like there were well, tons of other few. women in the group. There's a, yeah well there's a few that yeah mm-hmm. so frankie is also another side character the only overlapping characters pre the launch of the show right was ann and kate see i feel like frankie is more in their regular friend group when ann was living in cochran and they mm-hmm. they went to visit her it was what's her crazy lady leader of the mom's group um and then ann and kate and frankie so, like, Jenny didn't go on that trip. So that's why I always felt like she was, like, a super side character who they still decided to give her own storyline mm. to. That's kind of more the concept that I'm... Yeah, I I definitely feel like in season six, that was one of my... Jenny was by far the one that I, I wanted to fast forward through that whole... Any of her scenes. Because I did feel like at that point, her storyline was just getting pushed in a way that made no Agreed. sense to me. And I was like, like, I thought she was a a good side character of like the annoying one that's supposed to be like pushing her way into the group or thinks she's a normal mom, but she's not. Right. But then they gave her like a whole marriage plot line and like a wedding planning plot line. I was like, well, I don't care about any of this. Like you sleeping with a coworker and then getting, you know, fired. That was what, what really, I think the storyline was supposed to be around, but I don't care about your wedding. Yeah. Do you think that comes with them like trying to please the viewers of like, oh, we better do a wedding because there's probably women out there who are getting married or remarried. So we need to show, you know how sometimes I feel like shows try to do that. No, I think it was, it was centered around like them trying not to be fired. Like this was real type of thing. Cause I think there was, if I remember correctly, a, a power dynamic in that situation. Kelly, do you remember no, I mean, like, what do you think the show writers 
why they even decided to go that route. Not the sh- not the I, story. Probably asking like what next. Like they can't like kill yeah. her off. It's well, not like yeah, a show that they true. could be like she died. So like it She could have fell out now. the other window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think that they just kept her okay, in there so, to be annoying. To be that because like she would work for Kate every yeah. year like once in a while. She'd like be somebody's yeah. assistant. And I think it was just to have that yeah. character string along as that annoying friend. Because <laughs> we all know that. Yeah. Know that person. So season six, episode five talks a lot about uh, Sloane and Kate's sort of relationship. Well, it's all season really. Um, And for those that don't know, Sloane is Kate's. Yeah. She was a client. That's how they got started. Yeah. So, and Sloane threatened to make Kate's life a living hell because in season five, something Kate made a decision that made something really important to Sloane fall through. And the first half of season six, Sloan really does do all the things that would just make Kate's life just harder in and of itself, right? So my question to you is, have you guys ever been in a situation like that? Do you think the way, do you think it's a a believable situation in general, that that type of threat? What type of um, advice would you give women in the workplace? I haven't ever experienced anything that like that extreme. Um, maybe not even that related at all. Uh, where I felt like I needed to like grovel at somebody's feet to like good yeah. in any way. Um, yeah, they re- she referenced in there like, "Am I out of the doghouse?" Yeah, like she kept doing extra work and going above and beyond. I don't remember. Maybe I don't remember, or I don't. Um, I don't know why she felt Kate felt it was that important to do that. If it was just saving face with a client or saving their friendship, but I don't know. It was more like the way that Sloane went about it. So I would say if somebody's, if anybody's treating it that way, woman, man, anything in between, like that. Yeah. And I didn't even feel like it was rooted in, like they had like this deep rooted friendship situation. I, d- I felt like it was a power dynamic from yeah. the beginning, even if they became friends and then all this happened. So the groveling or like that because of a friendship, I didn't really buy very much. Yeah. It almost, um, so it almost felt like Kate just wanted to like, wanted to be her friend so bad or wanted her as a client so badly. That maybe it was that. I don't know. I just, I didn't really understand that and or nor did I like it. Do you think that, because it's like that type of thing I feel like happens a lot in shows and movies. Do you think that's something, and I guess for me, I always just brush it off as like, oh, I I assume that must happen at like a very high level of business that I am must not be at yet. Do you guys feel the same way? Like, do you feel like maybe it happens, but at some level you have not let, yet reached? Or do you feel like it doesn't actually happen this way? I mean, I will say that there's there's a lot of uh, I don't want to say threats because it's not like I've not been in a room where somebody's like, if you don't do this, I'm leaving and taking all my money with me or something like that. But the the higher up you go, there's definite undertones of that type of relationship, and the the crux of my job for the for a really long time was around negotiations and leveraging different different things. Right. And there were some folks that would come in and leverage relationships or leverage threats of taking and walking, you know, to try and get that, but it never got across the line to where it was like personal things, you know, that, that made it this type of storyline. So I do find it pretty viable from a overarching theme of, big money talks and if they know they have something and they're pissed, they absolutely can leverage that. I also recently finally finished Billions and it's like Mm -hmm. that reminds me of that same scenario of like, does this really happen? And I just am obviously not part of that world or is this like totally just like TV? And so I always have that question when I see scenarios like that. Yeah, I I would say that... um, it's becoming more believable the higher up I get in um, like corporate agency world. 
it's definitely yeah. you can definitely hear the conversations <laughs> in a and that's in a so good way. to know that's that's so interesting yeah i'm i'm not high enough to have that kind of money close by like the billion style and or i'm not on a yacht <laughs> hanging out making choices so i'm not quite there but i'm sure that can only get get mucky you know between yeah. those things so the overall storyline between Sloane and Kate, I actually really like that arc in general, Sloane specifically. So in season six, I think it's episode six as well, um, she is pregnant. And this is when you start to see her overarching relationship with Kate evolve again, um, because I think she's starting to have some empathy. But one of the funnier storylines is um, she reaches a level of horniness while pregnant that is untamable in this episode, right? So she's getting uh, an ultrasound and she ends up kissing the ultrasound tech while he is actually giving her the ultrasound. <laughs> um, so I wanted to know, did that, did you guys relate to that feeling? Not the, not the act, not making out with your ultrasound tech, not the, not the black and white, like, did you make out with your ultrasound tech? <laughs> You feel free to explain that here, but like the feeling itself, that overwhelming sensation. Can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've like blocked so much of pregnancy. I was so stressful. Um, but <laughs> you had three of them. I know. One was recent. <laughs> I know. Um, no, no. I was like no more horny than I am at any, at like during ovulation. I am the same amount. Okay, so me either. I wasn't like Uber Randy. Kelly, did you did you relate? No, no. I felt okay. like I hated the way my body looked for half of pregnancy, and then once when I started looking pregnant, then I was just too tired, and I. Okay, <laughs> so I feel like when they say your libido increases, it's after six months, and that's when you're going to start like showing and feeling larger yeah, sure. and so it's like no like I'm tired right. no. and I was like in, in like a actively planning like oh shit I'm actually having a baby what am I going to do about work <laughs> how can right. I Busy. plan I need to plan things I need to work as much as possible I wasn't feeling especially sexy or horny yeah. I feel like that's another thing that I feel like we see a lot portrayed in TV and movies and I'm sure I've heard the occasional like blog post from an actual human being about it but I do feel that it is one of those things that doesn't happen to the majority of women but since it is an interesting storyline it gets brought up a lot in media and then it comes up a lot with like the small percentage of people who it actually happens to yeah, I thought they used this type of storyline for the male viewer. Like this type of storyline to me is is less about women and more about a relatability from a sex situation for men that isn't all about, you know, vasectomies, the male birth control pill, marriage ruts, not not having sex with your spouse, <laughs> like things like that. This was to give men like, oh, yeah, here you know, women that get an ultrasound might make out with you. I will say Sloane's pregnancy storyline was great. She's not married and uh, went through a fertility treatment to get pregnant. That was nuanced throughout the whole the whole show. And I thought that was a good way to bring that mm -hmm. in. Um, and the impact on her career, which is really focused on season seven, yeah, that's when I really started really liking good. her character was in season yes. seven. And I felt like she finally got it as a character or, or as a mom yeah. and like in that role. I think um, I can see her, that yeah. was the transition. Like, and I liked that part of her. I felt like that was the first that was so relatable is like you becoming more empathetic towards working mothers post kid when you're a working mother it's very hard when you're like 25 no kid climbing a ladder to empathize with a working mom so I felt like that 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 was her storyline throughout the whole series really um another storyline that sort of is I'm gonna say not opposite because I, I think Sloan and Anne actually have um some parallel personality traits is Anne's arc of the whole show 
from season one and is highlighted around her anger issues, um, sort of a controlling nature as a parent and as a wife. She goes through a lot of ups and downs throughout the whole series. Um, But by season six, she is in anger management and in complete denial of needing to be in anger management. But I really wanted to talk about that, mostly because we brought this up. We have talked about like that feeling, that postpartum feeling, and she is not postpartum. She has an older Mm -hmm. daughter, but when you don't deal, what really can happen? And I thought that from season one all the way through the end of the series and storylines to me were the most interesting. What did you guys think? Kelly, I'll start with you. Anne and her daughter Alice's relationship is so tumultuous in most cases. As a mom to an older daughter, how relatable is that? Do you feel, you know, creative freedom is given? We obviously know. But like, how relatable do you feel like that whole storyline is? I think Anne's anger was just, I think every woman has inklings of those anger, like those feelings of anger inside of them at certain times. I know I can have those moments where I'm just ready to punch a wall. Um, but to have that be like who I am all the time, like Anne's character is, no. I, I think that that was extreme. But when it came to her relationship with her daughter, I mean, I can, the reason Alice was how she was is because of Anne's anger, which really was just a mask for her fear and insecurities for her daughter right. growing and becoming a woman and having her own life and experiences. So that I can relate to in that I'm actively working to like take away my own veil of judgment and my own personal experience and how I'm interacting with Sage and teaching her and mentoring her as she's getting older, like dropping my shit at the door is probably the better way to say that. Um, But when it comes to the anger specifically, like that's not, I don't feel like I carried that and put that um, onto Sage in any way. Courtney, what about you? Um, I have a lot of anger. (laughs) So, so I, um, it's funny because I never see, like, I never see any display of female anger in media and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm like aghast. I'm like, "Mm, that tracks. I could see how she got there. So like, I, I totally understand that because I have just dealt with immense rage my whole life. And so when it turned into like my, my normal immense rage then turned into um, pregnancy rage, which then turned into postpartum rage, which I mean, technically I'm still postpartum and I will give, I w- I'm going to give Anne the postpartum credit because you are postpartum until your child is three and she does have that little baby, right? Oh, Isn't that right. Her? So no, she's post- she doesn't have a baby. Is, is that her baby? Whose baby is that? She does have that a younger one. Girl. She does? She's two? Yeah. Oh, yeah. she does. You're right. She does. Yeah. So I'm going to say she's right, she's right. allowed to have her postpartum rage. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yes, I mean, I know the feeling of the volcano bubbling up and you're trying to like hold it down and then you just can't. So I get it. I loved that they showed that throughout the whole series of these different areas that really pushed and and you saw her rage, I think they were building it on an arc of like, she's angry, right? Which is why so many people don't like her. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask. What was the, I I have not read any commentary about the show online. So I would love to hear what people thought Mm -hmm. because like, I would never, I would never hit someone like she slapped that lady after the (laughs) show. But like, I get, just the feeling of not being able to control yourself because of your rage. So I'm curious about what people online had to say about her. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of comments were um, judgmental in nature. Like she's so controlling. I would never be married to that. She's just so angry. Who does that to her spouse, to a kid? She's crazy. All on different, like throughout all episodes that really showed anything. So when she yelled at a bully in her daughter's Mm. class and, you know, all these different pockets. And I just don't agree at all with 
any of those comments because I am not a violent, like a physical violence person, but I am an extremely anxious person post kid. And so the feeling that she is expressing in the show at every one of those moments, even if I haven't done it yet, I go, oh yeah, I did yeah. that. Oh yeah. Yes. I've, I've, it almost can that. see why you would feel yeah, that Yeah, and it way. almost helps. Like I, yes. I think I've played those scenarios out in my head of like, what if I were to go scream at a kid who was picking on Sage? But would I right. actually ever do that? No, but it feels real good to watch somebody else do it. Totally validating. Exactly. And I yeah, will I say that believe the, I would do it, but I feel like, like I, the people writing it. that have to either there, I'm sure they're comment like there's probably a group of people commentating who don't have kids. So then there's a the yeah. group of people commentating whose kids are three. So they have, they have not yet experienced what that will feel like that protectiveness. And then there's also the group of people who I feel like, and this happens with moms so often, are either in denial personally in their own brains or project themselves as in denial. So like the the way they show up on the internet and in public is like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, I would never. How could they? That woman is crazy. Yeah. So I feel like between those three groups of people, I can see why the discourse is what it is. But any woman with kids who has you know dealt with any type of deep emotions has to be able to say I see how it could get there or to Kelly's point like I know I would be able to control myself but it sure is nice seeing somebody else do it yeah, yeah it's a therapeutic in nature right. like an escape yeah. I sure. like too that her anger was also very um it's just the, the being a woman in general in this world can make you angry at all turns. So it wasn't just her being a mom and having to deal with like kid issues and mom issues. It was everything made her angry and that's relatable (laughs) in lots of ways. And it was built on because she was trying to control it. So her entire life, which is most working moms who have to compartmentalize all of it. Right. So she, the whole reason it, it blows up is because she doesn't actually work through any of it. She's just burying her actual things. And then it comes yeah. out in like little Maybe bursts. that's why I'm so angry. <laughs> 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 Probably eventually it blows up somewhere. Yeah. We just never know when, you know, I will say overall um, the arc of her and her daughter was the hardest for me to watch. Alice was so triggering to mm. me. <laughs> as a little kid and mostly because I don't have that old of a child yet. And I am currently in the thick of raising what I think might be a diagnosed psychopath. So (laughs) I am terrified. But (laughs) you definitely, I feel like to your point also, it's like my girls are young. And so you can just like look and see like, Oh no, like I hope this isn't what's ahead because yes, I will be enraged. Right. And I am looking going, I think this is what's ahead, if not worse. Like, uh, that's the the point that I am in. And it is one of the hardest. And I still actually struggle watching anything with a tween girl in this, like, phase because I get triggered. Like, I mean, bad. Like, yeah. I panic. I don't think about it. That's one of those things I just bury deep down. <laughs> not going to think about that happening or coming down the pipeline. Yeah, I think I fast forwarded through the scenes about like when she starts running away or get asked to move out of her house to live with uh, I think her grandma at one point and I just remember that. I remember asking that to my mom. I remember threatening that and I'm just like, I can't. I can't do it. I don't (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'm not ready. (laughs) It's coming, ladies. It happens before you know it. (laughs) So stressful. Uh, All right. So moving on to a different topic so that I don't have a panic attack. (laughs) Um, Courtney, out of all the episodes you've watched so far, did the dynamic between any of the moms and their children, the moms and their spouses, or the moms in general impact you or make you feel a type of way? Did you ever like go, oh, hate that, love that, or this is absolutely ridiculous? Um, Who would ever be married to a guy like, you know, Nathan? (laughs) Oh, Nathan. Yeah, I, um, 
Yeah, I I cannot stand Nathan and Catherine's like <laughs> Dinah Kate's dynamic, and I'm like, are they like this? <laughs> Is this their real life? <laughs> like, oh, I just it's so so cringe. But you know what's funny? The one thing that jumps into my mind is way back from probably season one, um, and this would have been years ago when I watched this, was when she came to the realization that her son wasn't learning how to do stuff because she was constantly helping him. And, like, he was having to, like, learn how to button his shirt up or something, and he just couldn't do it. And she was doing it for him. And she had the realization one day, like epiphany hit her of like, oh, I just have to stop doing it for him, even though it's easier and faster for me. And that hit me so much at that time because it was like I had just had my second child. It was so much easier to just do it all. But I realized how helpful it was to really let them do and learn how to do things for themselves. So this is like definitely very specific to having young kids. But that was something that um, was was probably a a good welcome realization. And I will say one thing about the show that I really like is everything is is just portrayed like without the judgment, without the like lesson of the day. Yeah. It's just yeah. like shown. And you can either just watch it or you can read into it and take lessons away. But either way you choose, it's totally fine. And I do really appreciate yeah. that about the show. You're right. That each episode isn't built on a lesson to be learned. It's it's this series of ebbs and flows. Um, throughout the whole each season specifically in the, the series as a whole so you don't feel like you're being um, like condescended to like yeah it's not uh, like an after school special or anything yes. <laughs> <laughs> like here's how to parent yeah yeah no I totally so I do really appreciate that. appreciate that about the show yeah, I do think, um, I think I forgot to mention, this is her real husband mm-hmm. in real life. So the dynamic- Yeah, you mentioned that, and I actually didn't know that. So when you said that at the beginning of this episode, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it really adds a layer. It does add a layer, a huge layer. Especially because Kate and Nathan's storyline goes through infidelity where she is the cheater. Mm-hmm. It's it's a different way to look at it. And then the aftermath of them rebuilding, which you also don't see a ton of, um, that, that would take us down a lot of rabbit holes for sure. But it's one of the better sort of plot lines of the show of how you've rebuild from that, like choosing to rebuild from that and what that looks like through paranoia after and, and things like that goes really deep. But because I want to make sure we end on a more positive note and also a more helpful note for some folks that might be going, I don't feel like listening or watching the show. This seems like a ridiculous, uh, I'm not a working mother. I don't want to breastfeed all those things. I actually do believe this is incredibly funny show for men married to a, a working mother, men who want to be married to a working mother, women who might want kids in the future who are working at this point, I'm thinking everybody works because you need two incomes. So I'm just assuming everybody's working, but on the last episode of season six, the finale episode, the big theme that overlaps with what we talk about a lot on the podcast is balance or lack thereof, or can you have it all? Blah, blah, blah. All those cliche sort of phrases we hear over and over, but it ends with Kate feeling like she's going to step back from work. But her worry is that she's not present with her kids, right? She's getting caught by her kids saying, like, you're not focusing. She's missing things. So it's this guilt that's being written up. But what is actually holding her back from making a change is letting go and realizing somebody at work is not going to do the job the way she would do it. That what she's built, what she's created just won't get done the way that she believes it should be done. And I felt like that was, out of everything, for me, the most relatable underpinning theme. I don't know if you guys can relate to that, but have you ever been in that situation? Have you talked to a spouse 
about that or a partner about work dynamics and being present for the kids and who should be there and who shouldn't. And have you talked to your kids about work and how does that go? So I am on the absolute 180 opposite side of that spectrum, which is I was home with my kids until, I don't know, 10 months ago. And so I could not wait to get away. I was home with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'll tell you what, for everybody out there talking about balance and wanting to spend more time with your kids and wanting to be present, it's miserable. It's not fun. It's terrible. I don't recommend zero stars. So when I see stuff like that, because I'm coming from where I'm coming from, which is being home with kids for four years and then finally clawing my way back into a work environment, I am unable to say that I will feel anytime soon that I need to be more present in my kids' lives. I'm like already trying to figure out how I can have someone come to the house between the hours of five and eight to take care of my children (laughs) so I can like do this or go to dinner with my husband. Like I care so much more about my personal life and well-being. And I'm sure that the, 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 the interneters, powers that be would talk crap about me because I just care more about me, my marriage, my career, my relationship with my friends. I just feel like the kids are all right. Yeah, but you didn't for four years you were with the kids. So that would be prioritizing them over all of the other things. That That is because I was in an I was in an emotional and psychological rut where I felt that I was being forced into making that decision and I had no other choice. Mm. It was the last thing I wanted to be doing. Kelly, what about you? I have gone back and forth with like the, with that guilt feeling. Um, And I have even, there's been times when I'm like, God, I just, don't want to have to work anymore, but it's always temporary. It's never a feeling that lasts for longer than maybe 24 hours. Um, I love what I do. And like, if you didn't work anymore in real life, would it really be to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week with your kid? No. So then why do people say that? I don't know. Like I... Well, because like Devin, if you had a million dollars, would you really want to not work and spend every day with your kid? So then why do I'm so confused? Why are we even having this conversation if nobody wants to do it? I feel like there's probably a lot of people that do. but 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 that's because they haven't done it. So like both of you have that feeling of mom guilt because you haven't been forced to be with your kid for four years with nothing else to do because trust me my my mom guilt comes from like I don't I don't want to not work and be at home with Lucy all day and as much as she says she wants that I know for a fact (laughs) she is not gonna want that after one day including today since she was home today so but my mom guilt comes from knowing that I made a choice to go and work and put and when I am there and I am present at work, I, I do love it. I even on my worst days, I actually feel like I'm valued. I feel like I have impact. I'm, you know, I actually carry the guilt that it's I chose to be away all day and I only have three hours before you're supposed to be in bed. And I am actually counting down mm, minutes yeah. until your bedtime. And I feel Constantly, I constantly feel bad that I can't get over, you know, my ADD of needing to do and like be efficient at the things that I need organized or the things that I should be doing ahead of time or the thinking of the things that need to be done ahead of time. And she just wants to play. I have zero desire to play babies or, you know, do these things. So I carry this guilt going, God, she just wants to be me to be present. She wants me to be here in the moment 
And I can't even do that with a smile on my face most days for three hours. Not because I think I need to give up work or leave work early. It's because in those three hours, I actually struggle. Here's here's my, this is my only like devil's advocate thought to that. I feel that the reason we are not programmed to like and enjoy and want to spend three hours playing babies or transformers or whatever is because in the grand scheme of things, that time that they are a child and want that from you is very fleeting. So in the same breath where people say, oh my gosh, enjoy this time because they're going to grow up and it'll be fleeting. It's also like, don't create a persona around yourself that loves and thrives on that three hours because in 10 years, it's going to be gone. And who are you going to be when you come home at five o'clock and no one wants to sit and play or talk or do anything with you? They're off at sports. They're off doing something else. And then you turn into that psycho older mother who has no purpose and nothing to do and is bothering her kids because she has created a life that is she spends her time with them doing stuff with them and then they don't want to do stuff with her anymore. So I'm just saying that like by the time my kids are that age, I'm going to be fine because I didn't want to do it in the first place. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't like a big player person either with like when Sage was little, but now I get pissed when I have to work and I don't want to when it's taking away the time from her because I actually really like her right now. Like I like spending time with her. She's She's my mini me. She's really funny. She, uh, we have really great conversations. So, I mean, that the, the preteen life right now is very fun and I'm really enjoying it. So when I have to, when I have to do work that I don't really want to do, or it's not over, like something that's not planned well or whatever, then I get pissed. That's like, oh, you're taking away my time from her. Um, but I also have the guilt of, like there's times where I really want to do the work and I'm, I, I have to take her to karate or take her and do like, but that's my life. I'm a chauffeur at this point, but like there's things where like my time is being sucked by doing those other more f- like physically getting her places and whatever. And then I'm like, God, if I only had like four more hours to put into this project, it could be that much better. And I'm trying to push at the point in my career where I'm trying to push myself to go to that next level. And it's hard to do that when your time is really that limited. And I also very much value my sleep. So I don't want to be staying up until like three o'clock in the morning working on shit because it's really hard to recover from that. It takes like three days to recover from a lack of sleep. Yeah, I will say, I think there's a conversation that needs to be taught about how women talk about what they love to do or put their time in and why that is okay. So Courtney, you you really say things like, you know, I, I do want to prioritize me and my marriage. I want to put that time in. Um, and that's fine for me, right? That is actually a conversation or a way of communicating that I think needs to be educated to especially young girls specifically, um, because it's just not something that, you know, we're ever really taught. So to wrap the episode up, one of the things, um, you know, that really hit home is an interview Catherine Reitman did. She was asked this question, like, what do you tell your kids when you're going to you know, shoot this season, you know, and you're gone for a long time. Right. And she said, I don't say I have to go to work. I say I get Mm -hmm. to go to work. And I heard that and I was like, oh my God, what a change of tone that could be. Because right now we're in the thick of it with Lucy. When I leave to go to work in the morning, even though she goes to daycare every day, when I go, I'm going to the office and I have to get ready and we're walking out the door. It is a huge deal. It's like, don't go, please don't go to work. Why do you have to work? Why do you? And I just say, I need to work all day today. When she's home, I'm like, I need to take this call. I have to take this call. Like, can you please just give me a minute? And I was like, God dang, like that change of tone. So she understands that I want to be here. I want to work. I want to be on this call. You know, you want me to do something I love to do. Just like, I want you to do things you love to do 
learning how to communicate that I think is something even women with no kids, with no partner, even no future kids, that change of tone on how you approach it can really change your outlook on everything. Another Catherine. So I had a business coach during COVID. Her name was Catherine Ann Clayton. And she told me this same quote. So she might have gotten it from the interview. And it was not even related to like, we talked about the kids thing of like telling your kids, like, you get to get up and get dressed and go to school today of just like changing that that phrase to help them in their minds. But we also talked about it um, just for us and positive self-talk of like, I get to get up and get dressed and go to my office because it can get into just like the, you know, the, the rut of the routine. But if you remind yourself that it is such a privilege to do what we do and to, you know, have the access and the resources that we have. And by changing that little word from have to get, we realize, and it reminds us, I think on a daily basis of, of all of that great stuff that we have in our lives. I've spent a lot of time um, talking to Sage about my work and let her see me get excited about things. Like when I have a big pitch coming up or if I've worked really hard on a project or I got a new client or all the wins, I let her see the excitement of that and tell her how much I love what I do. And, you know, I mean, the flashy stuff like going on photo shoots and video shoots and that all of the, the those things, she's gotten to be a part of some of that stuff too. And as she's gotten older, that's been fun to include her, even just from, a, she observes um, what's going on. And for her to see me in action, I think she has a different level of respect for the work that I do. So when I say like, I'm so excited I get to do this, she gets that. And so um, and Jason is very similar in that he's very, we're both very entrepreneurial. And so she has seen him also like get stoked when he lands a new project or, you know, Jason makes car parts um, for aftermarket car parts. So um, for him to like see a part come to life and show her a physical thing that he worked really hard on, um, she gets to be part of that excitement. And I think really what that teaches her is it's okay to be excited about something that is for you and that you love to apply yourself to and have passion about and do do that work. And it, it very much is not a, I have to do it. It's like, I want to do this and I want to do this above other things. I do think that one thing you brought up that's really interesting is about giving kids context and the fact that she's gotten to sit with you at photo shoots. You know, we all remember the take your kid to work day. Um, of yesteryear. And I will say that I remember um, being fairly young when I first got to go to GM with my dad. And what I think just now clicked for me was that once I once I had the the picture in my mind of where he was, it was never that weird when he was there mm-hmm. yeah. because I could put in my mind like, oh, I remember where yeah. he was. I can see it in my mind. It's okay because I know where he is. And I think especially for small kids, it's like they don't know where you're going. They think you're disappearing off the face of the <laughs> earth for a few hours. Yeah. So I do think that, you know, I would and, – and kids, there have been a handful of kids who have come to our offices if like school is closed and parent needs to bring them or whatever. And I do think that it would especially trip because he gets really upset when I have to go to work also. And so it it would be really nice for me to take him one day just so he can have the picture in his mind of like, oh, that's where she is. Mm-hmm. It's a real place. It exists. I can now conjure it up in my mind when I'm like, where is mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as your kids get older and yeah. you, you can start to talk to them about the work that you do and the context of it in a way that they can understand, um, then that's when they, I think, have, it's just a respect thing. Like I can, if I have a pitch to work on and I have to work like into the evening or I'm writing something, whatever, I can tell Sage, like, I really have my head into this right now and I need some, I need some time to really focus. And like, if you can give me two hours, then I can do this with you. And she'll, she gets that and she'll, she won't be excited and she'll be sad that I can't participate in whatever she's asking me to do. But, um, 
it was like so one of her first questions will be like, well, when are you, when are you presenting this? Like, when's it due? <laughs> Is it due tomorrow? Because if it's right. Not. And so then I, if I'm saying. You have it's, time. I, right. I'm, I'm, oh my God, that's yeah, if I'm like, so I'm meeting funny. with the client tomorrow morning. I have to get this done. She's like, okay, fine. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's important. But um, yeah. Well, I will say I tried to explain to Lucy that I needed to try and crank out this outline for this episode. And she was like, well, I'll help you. Give me your computer. And I was <laughs> oh, like, you know, I, I don't think that's how this works. And she was like, I can do it. Just give me your computer. <gasps> and I was like, I can't, I can't give you this computer. And I give her her unattached keyboard that used to work. <laughs> and she was like, no. Right. I need and the real deal. This is not real. I need to type on the thing you're typing on right Funny. now to to do your work. And I yeah. was like, I, I got to go. <laughs> they really do right want to do that. I know. Harper they comes. They really do. When I'm not at my desk, she'll come over to my desk and she'll just bang on the keys and she'll go, mm-hmm. look, mom, I'm working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess. All right. So although this wasn't your standard show review on um, a TV series, what it does really highlight is the bulk of our podcast hits these same yes. themes, right? The working mom plight and the stories, although we might not be as dramatic in a lot of these scenarios, the overall stories that come through have been so relevant to us in different ways throughout it. So Courtney, I'm excited for you to finish the series so that we can get your opinions on that. But I Absolutely. appreciate you guys, um, walking through this ups and downs throughout some of the big themes of season six with us today. Yeah. And I will say if you are a working mom, this show is definitely worth checking out. I agree. I say watch it. Even if it's just for entertainment factor, you'll feel a little bit better about yourself. (laughs) Yeah, you will. will. (laughs) Well, thanks ladies. And I will talk to you guys later next time. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of My Vagina Hurts. Remember to hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on our next candid combo. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at MBHThePod. Got a story you want to share or a topic you want us to tackle? Slide into our DMs or submit your anonymous vagina scary story at MyVaginaHurts.com. Thanks for being a part of the MBH world. And until next time, stay stressed and sexy.